and welcome back to another episode of DSLR Film New Podcast, where Mitch from Planet 5D joins me to discuss uh, lots of lenses this week, actually, and a few minor cameras that are hitting the market. But first, Mitch, you have a cat attack. What's going on, man? <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny because usually the cat is over here on the desk pawing at me and nagging at me, but she's discovered that the chair is here today. And so she's just, (laughs) you'll see her, if I'm talking, she'll just be throughout the show pawing at me. And you get to see what my life is really like when I do a show with DJ. (laughs) Woohoo! I'm actually up early enough that my dogs are still asleep, so otherwise I would have one nested right here on my lap, just below the camera level, uh, constantly wanting attention. So I understand your fate, your problems, and your concerns. Now, before we get into the news, Mitch, anything exciting happened this week? Uh, Well, there was a Republican convention. You want to talk about that? No. No. Oh, man, what a hot mess. Um, I'm going to stay away from that one completely. On uh, my end, I've been uh, testing out and finishing up the review on this Ceremonic Mix Mic. What a wonderful audio device. Uh, if you haven't heard of the Mix Mic from Ceremonic, it's something you should definitely check out. It's a double XLR, uh, kind of top mount style ENG uh, piece of equipment that allows you to bring XLR inputs into your camera, but it also includes a mic holster as well as a pretty decent mic, and I would put it in the same audio quality as the seven or $800 K1M XLR adapter from Sony for your Sony A7 line of cameras. Beautiful thing. Love it. Look forward to the review probably Monday. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, sure. You've been saying that for a week. Well, I got caught up. <laughs> I got caught up with that little that little action camera that uh, that Yi action camera. Uh, did you see the image stabilization video I posted on that? No. Oh my gosh! So this thing is it's it's half the price of a Hero Four Black Edition, and I, I've talked about it before. But I took it out. Uh, I was I was uh, working in the Dalles, which is uh, out in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. And I, so I took it out on one of my days off to, to just play around with it. And I hooked up a GoPro and the Yi next to each other and set them to 1080p at 60 frames and walked around. And one is completely smooth footage and the other one is just shaky, bouncy, <laughs> nasty stuff. And that's all from internal uh, measurements it's taking of its position in space to just digitally correct it via the sensor. And it does an amazing job. It's it's really, really impressive. Um I can't. Cool. I can't begin to tell you how how much value is in that freaking camera. And then I talked to the company, and because I, I was complaining, I'm about to finish their review. You? Yeah, I was complaining. I'm like, well, why didn't you include an audio input on this thing? It's ridiculous. It doesn't have an audio input. Uh, you know that was that's the one kicker on this thing that makes it not that great is that you can't just put a lav mic on here and use it like you would a GoPro. And what they told me is, how would you feel? about a bluetooth audio adapter there you go and i was like well that would be that would be phenomenal that would make this uh an awesome device and they're like well we're working on it we should have one out soon right there bam successful i i I told you last week that was going to be the pro version is going to come out next so i'm i'm incredibly uh predictive All right, incredibly predictive. (laughs) Let's move on to the news. Time for the news. Time for the news. 
for the news. All right, first up, if you remember last week, Mitch and I talked about the blockbusters that were supposed to be coming from our fair company, Sam Young. And we've got the first one up on the list here. This is the new... Awesome, I guess. Uh, it's, it's a cinema <laughs> camera lens. Uh, this is a 135mm, and it is a T2.2. This guy will set you back around $2,500, and what? it comes in a PL, a Canon EF, a Nikon, a Sony E, and a Micro Four Thirds body mount. Expect this out, I think, in August, but uh, don't and it, quote me and on it. It's, and it's autofocus, right? No, no, no autofocus. No. This is no. this is a cinema lens with gears and all the regular stuff you would expect. <laughs> it is a T2.2, so I think in F-stops that would be like a F1 or F2 probably. Uh, it's, I don't know, this wasn't what I was expecting. It's not that exciting for me. Mitch, what do you think about the 135 focal length and then $2,500? <laughs> Put those two together. Uh, well, if you're into amazing, incredible, awesome, high quality, super duper cinema lenses, then this is the one for you. I'm not. Uh, well, you know, we've talked about the fact that I just bought the Canon 135L, uh, which has autofocus, but of course it's not a cinema lens. That is, however, a lovely, lovely lens and very affordable priced. So, so you know, relatively speaking, I'm curious to see what this produces in terms of image. Uh, the question is, of course, is, is it worth the difference between a thousand dollars new and twenty five hundred dollars new. Um, and I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, um, a lot of people really like the cinema primes that they've been releasing, the higher end uh, Samyang glass, and you can buy an entire set of their cinema primes. I think for like four thousand dollars or thirty five hundred. Actually, it's probably higher than that now if you throw this lens in there. But they offer a lot of value, and they're about a quarter of the price of some of the other cinema lines that are out there. You, you go buy a set of cinema lenses from Canon, and I think the initial investment for three lenses is somewhere in the $10,000 to $12,000 range. So, I mean, in regard to cinema glass, this is pretty affordable. For me, probably not on my buy list. Actually, definitely not on my buy list. So that's pretty much all I have to say about this, unless you have anything to add. Mitch, you want to move on to something that's a little funnier? I was just looking up the Canon uh, Cinema 135 T2.2. Uh, B&H has it for 5000 so, so this is half the price. Half the price. What a bargain. Bargain. Let's buy one. <laughs> Let's split it. You and I will split it. Uh, is this like a joint custody? Uh, we'll have to go to yeah, court and yeah. decide who gets yeah. it for the summer vacations and who yeah, gets it yeah, on the weekends. Yeah. And we'll ship it back and forth between your house and my house. I'll spoil <clears> it <throat> so that it'll uh, definitely like me more than you. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a little extra candy now. And then. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry. Move it on. Let's talk about a, a depressing series of cameras from Canon. I say this because. Remember when the G-Series line of point-and-shoot cameras from Canon were top-notch, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, so to speak, 
and, and now they've sort of fallen off. Uh, in, in the past, if you were a pro photographer and you wanted your own point and shoot, the Canon G series, I think it started in probably the G4 through the GX all had the capability of shooting raw images and you were able to process them similarly to what you would with your more expensive DSLR. Now everybody offers that feature in all kinds of different cameras so it's no longer very special and it seems as though the G series has been struggling to find its way in the world. This latest move looks to me <laughs> like a move towards, what is it, hipster? coloring and uh, some gray <laughs> tell me about this camera mitch what do you think is this is this even interesting to you it might be interesting still to some people and i'll remind you that that canon marketing is a smart bunch of folk at least we hope they are <laughs> because they typically will not put out a camera unless there's a market for it even if it's a niche market um is it niche or niche it totally depends upon who you're talking to. <clears throat> um, and so there is there are still a group of people interested in point and shoot cameras. Uh, and I'll and I'll give you a point of reference. Uh, we're going on vacation in a week. And I talked to my daughter last night, my 18 year old. And she actually said to me, Dad, because she has an older point and shoot. She actually said, Dad, do you know where the charger is for that? Because I think I want to take that on vacation. I said, but you shoot everything with your iPhone. She said, well, I kind of want something that does a little bit more than my iPhone does. You know, has the zoom on it. And, and so I just want to take that. She said, I don't want your big old Canon 5D Mark II because that's heavy and bulky and... So I don't know. I don't know if I'm making a very good case for it, but uh, I'm not going to go out and buy her a new one, but certainly we'll try to find the charger for the old one if that's what she wants to use. So so there is still sort of some people interested in something that's a little bit more than a, a cell phone camera and a little bit less than a DSLR. Well, the the thing is, though, if you look at the sensor size on this, and I've got the B&H page right here. What do you get out of this guy? You're getting a one-inch sensor. It's a 20.2 megapixel sensor, which is offered in um, most of Sony's line of cameras with uh, all the zoom ranges, all the thinness, all the other things that uh, you could ask for. You've got Panasonic on the other end offering up almost an entire micro four-thirds image sensor, bigger than one inch by a significant margin, and their pricing is all pretty much floating around the $500 range. Uh, Canon isn't doing anything, looking at the specs as, as I see it, anything interesting compared to the competition. Uh, frame rates are slower. It looks like uh, the aperture at uh, the full extension is 4.9, so that's not as good. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I understand the need for a point-and-shoot camera. I use the LX100 on a regular basis. Love that camera, but, you know, it... If you have $500 to spend, you could buy the LX100 or the Sony, uh, what is it? Man, there's so many. It's is it the 10 or the 100 that's the smaller one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> but the, the point is, is like uh, Canon is, is throwing stuff at the wall. And as you said, there's a market for this sort of thing. But, man, uh, you know, 
do do a little bit better than the competition. You know, give me a feature that I'm like, wow, I need this. DJ, uh, no offense, hey, but no you are not the market for this camera. <laughs> Sorry to make you spit out your drink there as you're talking, but you're you're not the target. You're you're the person that they're after is somebody who doesn't want to do research, and they see the brand name Canon, they go, "Damn, that must be good," and that's who they're wanting to sell it to. <laughs> Sorry, it's not you. You're absolutely right, Mitch. And gosh, hey, hey, I'm gonna let's see, thirteen oh five during the show. I'm gonna write that down so that I can re- go back and get that quote. He's gonna turn that into a sample and play that. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Mitch. I got it. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So the G series uh, expect some new announcements for that at Photokina. Uh, it looks as though you'll be able to get them in the standard black or the silver and brown edition. Now, I do complain about the hipsterization of some of these uh, cameras, but I will say that out of all of the companies, Olympus, if you look at their line of pin cameras, has been doing an awesome job, and I have almost pulled the trigger multiple times simply because the cameras look so darn cool. Uh, Does that make them any better than the rest? No, it doesn't, but... (laughs) <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about some autofocus in Woo-hoo! some Samyung glass. And this is confusing as usual. Uh, th- so we talked about this last week, and we're bringing it up again because now there are some samples. If you want to see the AF speed of the prototype 50mm f1.4 from Samyung, which will be branded under Rokinon because it's a sub-brand of Samyung. Don't get too confused by this. You can actually check this out. Someone was kind enough to get on the showroom floor at a convention and play around with it. You can see the speed isn't awful. It isn't amazing. It's a little bit slow. kind of lags, shuffles a little bit. But not horrible for the first foray into their AF lenses. Mitch, what do you think about this autofocus speed? Does this look like anything that would impress you? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I did not get to look at that video beforehand, but watching it right there, that was on a Sony A7R, because it's always important to know what camera it is, right? Absolutely. Uh, if that were a point-and-shoot camera, then we would be going, holy cow, that's crap! That I mean, that's great! Uh, but that that wasn't that impressive i mean it it's okay but what's the price on this uh i haven't found any expected prices on this yet um a couple of people have rumored 499 but uh i can't say that that's actually an accurate statement well it does have a little red uh ring on it so it must be like a canon l right Sorry. Uh, they, they've been doing that, uh, all the off-brands, uh, Borrowers, uh, Samyung, <laughs> Rokinon. It's very common to put either that like silver stripe that Nikon uses or the red stripe that Canon uses oh. at the end just to sort of duplicate <laughs> the style that says, I've got an expensive piece of glass. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm looking at this. There, of course. Yeah. I'm looking at this, and... I'm thinking if they can price this somewhere under $500, because what do we have for competition? We have the Sony 55mm F1.8, which I think was on sale this week for $699. Yeah, and, but that's an F1.8. Yeah, and this, this is, is an F1.4. F1 
<laughs> and then we have the uh, El Cheapo 50 millimeter F18 that uh, Canon, or, I mean Sony, just released. That's uh, priced at 249. So between those, I don't know. The AF or a native F18 50 millimeter from Sony might be a little bit better, but I I would guess the image quality might be a little bit better on this guy? Question mark. I don't Question know. mark. Yeah. It's kind I mean, of up in the air. Again, you, I mean, realistically, and I I say this a lot, and I think you and I said it last week as well, but it depends upon what your audience is. You know, if you're comparing this to an iPhone image, I'm sure it's going to be much better. It's going to certainly focus faster than a cell phone camera will. Those things are notoriously horrible. So, I don't know. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. This this lens looks good. I'll keep an eye out for it. Um, I am a Sony shooter partially, so it is interesting to get a few more options out there. Unfortunately, I already threw down on the 55mm f1.8, so not probably <laughs> going to buy this one, but I am excited to see more primes. Uh, bring down the price a little bit, Sony, because, man, uh, you make cannon blush with some of those prime prices, buddy. It's a... Uh, a little, a little spendy. Hurts my pocketbook a little bit. Well, I sure am glad we're done talking about lenses for the week. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. There's what? one more on the list, Mitch. We've got to talk really? about one more stinking lens. Uh, this one has been long awaited. It is finally, <laughs> possibly, most likely going to see the light of day at Photokina this year. And it is a refresh of the Sigma 85mm f1.4. I know everybody's excited about this one, and I am as well. Uh, In the past, uh, they did have an 85.14, but it was sort of lacking in quality. The AF was not predictable, and there were some other known issues with the lens. Finally, they're refreshing this, turning it into an art series lens, which has been well-received in many of the different primes that the Sigma has released. The... Nice thing about this is it's finally filling the void, Mitch. The void between 85mm f1.8 and 85mm f1.2. You will now have somewhere in the middle. The price range between those two lenses is $300 all the way to $1,800, but we never had some middle ground. Uh, What price would make this 85 attractive to you, Mitch? Um... Thanks for that uh, awesome question. <laughs> so, silly question, just because I can't remember, and I know there are lots of people out there asking the same question. Uh, will this be available for things like the Canon mounts? Yeah, it, you remember? Sigma will be releasing this in a, a Canon, a Nikon? Nikon, and they oftentimes they also do some of the uh, less, oh, I shouldn't say, I'm not going to say less popular. They're going to do some of the other brands of cameras, which will not be named here because uh, we've upset a few people in the past by uh, mentioning that they have weird bars and a a strangely mounted screen. You know who you are. Um, (laughs) They've also, I don't know if um, we'll see a ton of it, but uh, uh, Sigma does have their uh, MC11 adapter, which also allows their art series lenses to go to a Sony body. So, you know, pretty much all the options are on the table with these lenses. So I don't know if you noticed that, but I, I feel like I should be running for some kind of political office because I think I did a very good job 
of twisting the question around so that I never answered your original question. And I never heard a price but, from you. But turned it into something else. So I, I think I should be running for office. So <laughs> let me tell you that the point is, and then dive off into some other thing that I had nothing nothing to do with the question. Oh. Um, so the price I'm hoping to see on the Sigma 85mm f1.4 art is in the $800 range. That would put it in the sweet spot between the... Canon 85.18 and the 85.12. If you've never used the 85.12, people out there, it's slow, dogged lens. Right. Um, it's it's a beautiful image. It's a beautiful piece of glass, but it's fly by wire, and its autofocus is maybe I think it, would you say maybe sixty percent of the time you get what you're trying to get. Mitch, does that sound fair? Um. Is that being it's too been nice? a while since no it's been a while since I've used it uh but I will counter that with it's one of the most popular portrait lenses among uh wedding and child photographers they're constantly talking about that 85 f1 too and so if it were giving that kind of performance I think somebody would be screaming bloody murder or am I just crazy that they just shoot and burst mode and pray that one of them's right i think the second one would probably be an accurate statement <laughs> uh the 85 one two original was really bad uh yeah really yeah, really yeah. bad i remember that and the upgraded version mark ii was a slight improvement uh to me and i've owned both the 8518 and the 8512 uh comparably the 8518 is a dream in autofocus it's fast it's sharp it, it's snappy it does a great job the 8512 by comparison i would i would say i threw out you know at least a quarter of my shots if not more uh it, it misses all the time, you know, the focus point, uh, it just doesn't get to the focus. It, and when it does get to the focus, it takes a very significant amount of time to get there. The reason I'm excited about 8514 is actually that I will be able to get a little bit more shallow depth of field and I will still have snappy focus, hopefully. That's what I, uh, th that would be the dream for me. Because I would give up going from F12 to F14 if you told me that my focus performance would go up by, you know, X number of percent. That would be great. That's completely right. fine with me. And right. I think for the situations you mentioned, uh, portraits, children, you know, uh, even I, I just saw an article about portrait photographers moving to dating websites to help people with their dating profiles, which is nice. kind of funny. But, uh, you know, F14, don't you think that's uh, probably going to cut the mustard for oh, uh, yeah. those sorts of things? Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and, it, and it all depends upon the quality of the bokeh or bokeh, depending upon which version of that word you like, <laughs> which which brings me to another question, which I saw and I've forgotten which one it was. I, it's, I'm just looking at the lenses we've just talked about. Um, there's a there's a I'll ask you because you are the expert <laughs> on lenses. Uh, what difference does it make? If there are 11 blades or nine blades or three blades, uh, I've, I've seen that discussed in a couple of places about how awesome it is to have 11 versus nine. Well, there's, there's two parts to the blade question. First of all, the shape of the blade, 
and then second of all, the count of the blades. So if the blades are flat uh, as opposed to rounded, the more blades you have, the less uh, distinctive the edges of the bokeh are. So if you ever get an older five-blade aperture lens, like uh, some of the old Nikon Nikkor lenses, your bokeh will have a very distinct sort of hexagonal look to it, very pointed. And if you go to like an 11-blade uh, aperture and you have it wide open, the edge is way less defined. It's uh, almost rounded but not quite. And then right. when you get to the rounded aperture blades, the count is less important because the rounding actually smooths out that and gives you bokeh circles that sort of float in the background that are very rounded and beautiful to look at. Now, one of the things that Sigma has been criticized for in their art series lenses, if you look at the out-of-focus areas, they look nice, but they have a different texture, I suppose would be the best term, than Canon or Nikon glass. And some people think it looks beautiful, and some people really hate it. <laughs> and uh, is it bad? No, it's not bad. It looks nice to my eye, but I could see the difference and by seeing the difference, I can go, ha ha, your lens is cheap and crappy, and this other lens is the best lens ever. Spend $2,000. So, well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question, and um, I'm glad I brought it up, because we rarely talk about that issue when we talk about lenses. Uh, never. We haven't really talked about it as far as I can recall. And, <laughs> and therefore, does... does it cost more to do 11 blades versus nine or five. Is yes. that a cost issue? Yeah, there's a, it's a technical feat actually to add the extra blades in there. If you think about, if you ever watched like a sci-fi movie and you walk through the, they open the door and the door iris is open as opposed to, you know, just sliding up and down. Right. Well, you think about how many irises it, or how many different little petals it takes in order to create that operation and that's a mechanical mounting point for each one of those irises, and they all have to move in synchronization. So the mechanism inherently becomes more and more complex from an engineering standpoint every time you add an extra blade to that. Plus the calculation for closure, you have to have a certain taper to each one of those. So you need to create more space, and you need to make the blades thinner and you need to do other things to compensate for it so it yeah definitely adds to cost and complexity and uh you know testing you're going to adjust your aperture quite a bit so these things need to be uh, extremely durable extremely thin and extremely robust in order to fit into that little tiny space and do what they do great that's a long-winded discussion no 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 that's that's great that's what and I ask these questions not because I'm necessarily dumb, because I know much of what you just said. But I think it's a good discussion, especially for the noobs who are watching, who may not know this stuff. And and so let me ask you one more thing. Why don't manufacturers feature that more in their product announcements? Do people not care? No. Actually, if you look at uh, Sigma as a great example, they do highlight the number of blades in their announcements and uh, the rounded aperture is, is always listed in there somehow. And even uh, there was a company you and I talked about 
uh, earlier this year, or maybe into last year, that had some sort of um, like oblongated bokeh uh, pattern. Uh-huh. And right. I mean, that was the first thing. Like you and I read the press release, and we're like, "What does that even mean?" Because the description right. of the bokeh was such that it it, it was vague and, and yet very descriptive. Like, what well, is it? Is it going to be tubes? You know, like, or what are we going to see here? And right. And so. Uh, I, I do think in a lot of the literature, and it, you see, for some reason, you don't see it with Canon and Nikon, but all the other manufacturers are like, look at our Boca, you know, look at our, yeah. our blades. And maybe uh-huh. it's because Canon and, and Nikon have like established a level of quality that everybody just kind of expects that sort of thing, whereas some of the other companies are still building their brands, and, and right. it's important to discuss that. Now, right. I'm going to turn this on you, Mitch, since okay. I know you know a lot about lenses as well. What do all these coatings mean for the glass? And what's the difference between the coatings for a lens from, you know, like the 1960s and today? What, is that, what does that change in the image when you, when you go pick up one of these lenses? Coatings are very important. Let me see how I can explain this. Uh, just ordered some new glasses, by the way. And for the first time. Uh, I ordered online glasses, so I'm going to see how this turns out because I'm tired of paying retail uh, in the store kind of pricing. Uh, but the the coatings on your glasses make a big difference because uh, of reflections. And, of course, you and I have talked about uh, reflections, I think it was – last week or the week before internally inside the lens and having things bounce around uh the coatings make a huge difference in all kinds of different things which is and i think going back to that one lens which i gosh i wish i could remember their name too uh because they were talking about the coating that they were putting on also made a difference in the way the bokeh uh, looked so uh, bokeh, uh, the the coatings can affect things like light distribution, how much light goes through, how much bounces around on the inside. One that makes a huge difference for uh, many people is the chromatic aberration. Uh, if you don't have good coat, the right kind of coatings, and and you say I know a lot of stuff, but I can never remember whether the pink coating or the blue coating, you know, (laughs) what it does. I don't, I, I'm not that smart, Uh, but you can definitely tell, I I mean, I get a kick out of looking at many new lenses when they, when they show an image of like a tree line and there's a bright sky behind it. And there's just all kinds of purple chromatic aberration on the trees. And I'm like, because when you, Going back to my days when I first started shooting stock photos like at, at iStock and all those other places, uh, they will crucify you if you have chromatic aberration in your image. They just they'll turn it down and send you packing really quickly. Uh, so the coatings in your lenses can make a huge difference in terms of those kinds of aspects of of image quality. So. Uh, and it's not, again, it's not something that most lens manufacturers ever talk about unless it's specifically targeting something like the chromatic aberration or, or anything else. So, and I think you're right, Canon and Nikon tend to just fluff over all that kind of stuff because we expect certain quality levels of of coatings. And that can, of course, change the pricing radically as well. 
Now, what about these old, old lenses? I know people kind of uh, jones after that weird look that you get from the 70s and 60s lenses. Uh, is that just a failure of coating? I'm sure it's. it depends upon the lens, of course. It's, it has a lot to do with coatings. It also has to do with a lot uh, with the quality of the lens grinding uh, because the the technology back then was good for lens grinding, especially if you like talking about the Russian lenses from the past. Uh, they would tend to crank those suckers out fairly quickly under the communist regimes. <laughs> uh, not trying to get into politics, but, you know, it, it was well known that uh, the, the quality levels weren't always there. So you'd get wide variations between lenses, which, again, jonesing these days, to use your phrase, uh, you know, Going back and hearkening to an older look is kind of cool in many situations. There's a, of course, you can do that all in Photoshop now. And there's a company, and I believe they're um, – I'm going to get this wrong maybe, but I, I believe they're called Dog Shit Optics. And uh, <laughs> they what they do is they actually like beat up your lens, scrape off some of the coatings, and sort of just you know damage it in a way that makes it look like an old, old lens. And and people pay uh, significant amounts of money to to get that effect done to their nice cinema lenses and various other models. I think the um, uh, Tokina eleven to sixteen was a popular one to beat up on, and uh, you'd spend an extra thousand dollars to add a cinema mount to that, and then you know mess up the optics a bit to give it the a little bit more lens flare and some other weird things, uh, some yeah. colorization issues. Uh, I like the look of that, but like you mentioned, it, it's something that can be done in post. <laughs> um, I, one of the most popular posts on Planet 5D ever, uh, Timur Servan, that Timur is his first name. I can't why I can't come up with his last name. Savan, I think, is his last name, uh, was a guy that went, there's a shop in New York City. He lives in New York. Timur lives in New York. And he went to the shop and, and was rattling around in the, the shop. And he found, uh, at the time, it was a 102-year-old lens. Oh, and wow. he, he asked the guy to remount it in a Canon EF mount and slap that sucker on his 5D Mark II. And we got more views on that post than I think any other post we've ever had because everybody was really using DJ's words, jonesing over the look <laughs> that came off of those, those images that he shot in New York City. They were, they were gorgeous. They were, they were very uh, style-esque. And, and that's quite – I mean, he later took another lens and shot video with it, uh, which was also a very popular image or uh, post. Um, anyway – so there, there are certainly times where uh, old-timey looks or different looks is, is very appealing. And, of course, you have to do it sparingly because people get bored with it quickly if you use it all the time. Yeah. Uh, it, one of the things I will always warn people about, because I, I meet young filmmakers who are like, oh, I want this Instagram look, and they're really excited about it. It's like, <laughs> sir, do you understand that that look is baked in? If you bake that in... When you start, you have no latitude for any sort of change 
in the future. Now, this isn't a cry to not use filters because filters are amazing and they do a lot of great stuff. This is simply be careful with how stylized you get your image before you get to post because if it's out of control and you don't like it in post, you are stuck with yep. whatever you shot. And that that's mostly for video and non-raw applications. If you, you know, if you're a photographer, go wild because in post you can adjust <laughs> your white balance and do all the other things that make images look nice. Now, if you shoot raw. Yeah, if you shoot oh. Oh, that discussion, uh, so many people are are divided <laughs> on that. I even I had a guy uh, get mad at me. He's like, uh, what do you do with your raw files? I'm like, uh, I convert them to DNG. He's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, the native what? format is the best format ever. You never want to do DNG. You're losing, you're losing quality. I'm like, yeah, but what happens in like 10 years when no one supports the Canon open, you know, raw uh -huh. format or, you know, this weird Fuji format or some other format, DNG is native to everything. He's, no, uh, they don't understand color science, and you're losing. And I was, uh, you know what? Maybe you're right. Yeah, you you're could right. be. But at some point, I have to decide when to draw the line between the quality and the <laughs> the the work yeah. that goes into it. So for me, everything that goes into Lightroom is converted to DNG, guys. Uh, Does it really? Yeah, yeah Lightroom automatically uh, converts to DNG if you if you set it up to do so. So every time you import uh, a memory card, it will automatically convert on the fly to a DNG format. I am format. shocked and stunned. I am leaving this show immediately now that I know. Never mind. I'm kidding. All right. Let's talk about an action camera that's small no. and tiny. No. <laughs> Another action. We don't talk about action cameras on this show. Oh, my God. It seems like uh, action cameras are the only only thing out there in new camera. <laughs> market uh this but that will change that will change very soon because canon is going to announce the 5d mark IV next month I, yeah i hope so um i hope it's uh priced a little lower than they're expecting too uh almost four thousand dollars i might have to wait for the price to fall before i jump on that bandwagon all right let's talk about the nico 360 right. this is a double lens camera it basically shoots forwards and backwards it is not renowned for anything other than the price looking at this it's a kickstarter excuse me an indiegogo which is the level below a kickstarter oh uh, no now now what do you mean there aren't levels in our fundraising efforts well so <laughs> that it may be a personal opinion of mine but if you if you think about indiegogo and you think about kickstarter kickstarter you have to reach a goal in order to fund something successfully indiegogo you can not reach your goal and still receive the funds for said creation which uh, you know if your goal was to hit a thousand dollars and you hit two hundred dollars how exactly are you going to make the thing that you're promising with the way less money than you budgeted for i don't know exactly uh, so i always put indiegogo one tier below kickstarter okay but th that's not really fair. They're both equal in somebody's eyes, just not mine. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this lens slash camera design is interesting in that it has the sensor on both sides. It is cheaply priced, uh, 139 for the early bird and 229 for those coming in a little after. Uh, the issue I have with this, and a, a number of people were asking me, like, hey, wh what 360 camera should I get? And I was looking around, and 
under a thousand dollars there is a flood of these cameras we have the bubble cam we have theta s we have the kodak sp360 4k camera samsung also has a ball shaped camera for their samsung vr line of uh devices it's the market is actually pretty robust in in this situation and many of these cameras are priced in the same starting price point as this indiegogo now mitch if i were like here's a product that exists and you can get it today or here's a product that may exist some point in the future and they're priced the same which one are you going to go with well there's there's one thing to note about this that i think is potentially slipping by oh did i miss something when reading when reading i i don't know the 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 question that's why I'm raising this question is you mentioned a couple of cameras that shoot video. This doesn't talk anything about shooting video. It says it does live stream, but everything it talks about otherwise is pure photo. So if that's true, that changes, I think, the market a little bit. Um, I mean, I only had a few minutes to read this before we got started. Uh, but I see nothing in here about other than it says live streaming. It doesn't say it records video anywhere at all. It talks about photo this, photo that. Right here, Mitch. Does it? Okay, I'm wrong. Highlighted. Does the okay. Nico shoot video and stills? The Nico camera can capture 1440 WQHD video uh, okay. time so lapses. I thought I was I was about to go pull my hair out thinking. Uh, how, how no. would I miss something so simple as uh, video I'm capabilities? Blind. No, no. So I'm the fool this time. Never mind. Well, Never mind. And for to be fair to Mitch, I threw this at him last night, so he only had a, a little bit of time to look over this. Ex- Holy cow! This is extremely long. I didn't realize the the uh, Indiegogo page was that deep. Look at this, guys. It's just. Page after page after page after page. What? This is the other thing I'm kind of frustrated with uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter nowadays. Is this whole like as seen on banner? What is this? An infomercial? Like, do you need to have uh, a? Yes. (sighs) It gives it gives validity, and what they're doing is they're writing to those websites, giving them preview copies or whatever. Uh, you notice Planet 5D is on there, right? Oh. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I I'm missed kidding. it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but, I mean, the re- with, if the readers see that, they're they're more likely to put put in their money. They've already, they're already 300% over their goal or of their goal. So they're, they're two times more than what they were after. They're 152,000. So... They still got a month to go. They're fine. They'll get their product made. But I, to answer your question, uh, going back, uh, I do note they've got lots of great features, quote unquote. But if I could, if I could spend the same amount of money and get it now to answer your question, I'd get it now. I don't think this is that much different than all the other things on the market. Yeah, looking at the specs and everything, uh, it's smaller. I, that's pretty much the thing. Uh, the rest of the companies that are offering these cameras up, they're already doing much of the same thing. They're providing software for analyzing the image and creating a 360-degree view. Uh, Samsung has specific stuff for their VR headset that uh, works with their camera. It's, I don't know, uh, 
go for it, guys. If you get the money and you want to throw down, throw down. But uh, uh, expected estimated delivery time of, of December 2016, that's a ways off when you could start filming today with any a number of, and I, dare I say it, higher resolution cameras in the 360 market. Now, one thing I also want to point out to you guys, if you don't know this, you'll hear 4K mentioned in some of these action cameras. And it is true, there are 4K worth of pixels in there, but that 4K worth of pixels is spread out to all 360 degrees around you. So your individual screen resolution for a given spot is much, much lower. It's lower than standard definition. So keep that in mind if you get one of these and you're expecting gorgeous, beautiful images that is not the case. Uh, you want something like that, you're probably going to need to spend some money on one of the crazy 360-degree GoPro rigs and then figure out a practical method for ingesting and handling 7 to 10 to 12 to 14 cameras and stitching them all together. Uh, that processing time can take days, if not longer, for a short video. So... <laughs> Well, I've always wondered why I would do one of those kind of rigs versus one of these, but you just answered that question. Oh, yeah. The, the resolution is phenomenally better. Um, there's a great, and I think you and I talked about this a while back, there was a music video with uh, children, and it was a 360-degree approach where the kids come into uh-huh. the room and like play. And if you look at the resolution of that versus many of the other 360-degree videos that you see out there, it was it was really nice, and the yeah. reason it is is because you have many high-resolution cameras pointed in all directions, whereas uh, with this, you are using a single sensor or maybe two sensors that are, are getting okay resolution, uh, but not nearly as crisp and clear as some of those fancier rigs. Now, Well, this says it's 32 megapixels, so <laughs> it must be awesome sensors. Yes, and uh, <laughs> the 21 megapixels out of the 5D Mark III uh, inherently gives us 1080p. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the, speaking of that, by the way, uh, the other day we featured a, a, a video that was done by Joe Capra on a Phase 1 uh, 100 megapixel camera of where he does some some time-lapse zooms that are just stunning. Uh, if you want to go back and, and watch that, it's it's pretty cool. So he takes a 100-megapixel image and then is able to basically move around inside of his time-lapse because Correct. of the... Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's pretty interesting because actually we have the behind-the-scenes that's going to be... We're going to post next week that... Uh, so it's a phase phase one camera. So it's a, it's a mid-format... Um, Obviously, high resolution at 100 megapixels, that, that's pretty insane. And, and you know, the workflow behind that is just you've got a lot of data that you've got to process if you're doing a time lapse. But uh, so that we're going to have the behind the scenes on that next week. But it's, it's, it's interesting to be able to see the options that you have. Like he has uh, one image from the Cosmo Hotel uh, in in Vegas that overlooks the fountain of the Bellagio and and to be able to zoom in and then move around like you said within the image from the original masters without having to physically figure out how to move your camera and make those things happen in real time it's 
it could be a significant change if you're doing a lot of time-lapse uh, photography to to have that flexibility. It's kind of cool. It's actually, that's anyway, one of the... Totally awesome. That's one of the tricks I use with uh, 4K footage from some of my cameras is if uh, my delivery right. is 1080p, I can do pan and scan, which it sounds crummy, but uh, it's really nice when I can, oh, hey, I wanted just a little bit of motion here. I want this shot to drift over a little bit, and you can create a, a really nice smooth pan or a smooth slider shot just from a static image that's large enough to provide that it can turn out really well just remember to use your e's and de's guys because if you just move in your timeline straight it's going to look like crap you got to ease into it and ease back out of it the little dot click on it another Brilliant tip from DJ on the DSLR Film Noob podcast. All right. A uh, couple more things before we get out of here. First, let's talk about the NVIDIA release. Um, we've got some information scaling out new crazy graphics cards. Uh, everybody was really excited about the GTX 1080, which was conceivably the speed of the old Titan X. Well, looks like NVIDIA has gotten awesome with their naming conventions, and the next Titan X will also be called the Titan X. So congratulations to that choice. Uh, you're looking at 30 to 40% faster uh, cards in general in a single card unit, and you're talking a price tag of around... $1,200. The TDP is going to be 250 watts, so make sure you have your power supply up to snuff to handle this monstrosity. It does look beautiful. What is TDP? Uh, that's the, your temperature uh, envelope for your your device itself, so the number of watts versus the heat that it generates. Okay. I, I need to... I got I, it. Actually, I, like, I wish I could just nail the acronym right off the... It's like temperature... Uh, Delta Power, I believe, or something like that. But uh, I, I might be wrong. That's okay. I had a very interesting conversation, which we might end up talking about uh, in a couple of weeks as soon as uh, I get a story on this. But a good friend of mine, Michael Artsis, was just doing uh, a video for a project that has multiple video walls. You know what a video wall is, right? I do. Um, and he ended up burning up two computers trying to process the 4K video that they were doing for this project and ended up uh, middle of the night going to <laughs> several stores in New York City, uh, ended up putting together a water-cooled super 4K computer that he calls it that cost him about 12 grand, 10 grand, 12 grand or something with water cooling and all that kind of stuff because – all of his other computers were frying. So anyway, fascinating story. I'm sure it would have been very cool to have you involved in that project because you would have been just jonesing, to use your word, over uh, <laughs> putting together these computers to process his video. Anyway, we'll talk about that probably another day because the whole story is fascinating because he was doing a project for a billionaire. Wow. Um, That's yeah. A, I, there are some very beautiful editing rigs. Mine is in the $6,000 range, not the $12,000 range, but it's still very spendy. Uh, thermal design power is what TDP there stands for. So I was completely wrong on that. 
Okay, last <laughs> thing here, and uh, because you know, no other than the announcement, the Nvidia cards are just a thing that uh, people will probably buy if they need them. Uh, let's talk about this Rabbit keychain adapter. This is a seven ninety nine device. Mitch, you added this to the show notes. Are you even remotely excited about whatever this is? I mean, basically, it's a, a method for tightening and untightening the screws on the bottom of your camera. Does that sound about correct to you? Yes, that's the and it's and I was surprised when I actually saw this. It was sent to me uh, by the the man the guy that come up with it, Kai, and I put his name in the show notes so I'd remember Cosnoy Cosnoy, I guess. Uh, he's from mexico and i and i initially looked at it and went okay maybe we won't talk about that and then uh brett one of my writers was was equally excited about this and and realistically i probably will actually buy this uh because there are many times that i will go on a shoot and i i don't go covered in gear but there are times where I actually get frustrated because I don't I don't believe in coins anymore. I mean, it's not that I don't believe in them. I just hate them. They don't I exist. never have coins with me. Uh, and I, I actually have a, a quarter stuck in the corner of my bag and in order to sometimes <laughs> take accessories on and off because I need something like that. And this is a nice little tiny little thing that goes on your key ring. And, and yeah, it's eight bucks, but. I can I can bet you that I would probably use that fairly regularly. Now, if you if you're like DJ and you are completely prepared on every shoot and every you've got a bag that's got 60,000 different little devices and you know exactly <laughs> what it is in your bag, which is another issue cuz lord knows every bag has 20 30 pockets in it and finding that quarter is sometimes difficult because sometimes I put it in that pocket on that side and sometimes i put it in that pocket so if you're organized like dj then you don't need this but if you're like me and you get on a shoot you go and you're like oh my i know i have a key on my key ring that would do that then i think that would be cool so For eight bucks i'll do it one of the things I carry with me, and I've got several of them thanks uh Tascam for giving these to me but <laughs> they're bottle openers nice and, and you think well okay it's just a bottle opener but Ironically, the size of this point right here is the same size as the opening for the screws on all of my tripod quick-release plates. So in any kind of pinch, I can take this. It's got enough leverage and length that you just uh, stick it in the slot and turn. And uh, if you go to NAB, uh, they'll have a bucket full of these. (laughs) for free as handouts uh when you when you get there um and and it's not just Tascam. uh if you go look around there are many of these uh little can opener bottle opener applications that uh, do the same thing uh this is this rabbit thing it looks cool like that, that looks like a nice you know laser etched design on it but uh there are so many other keychain fobs and i actually i have another one that i got from uh an electrical guy and it, it's a IBW. Um, it has like a hand holding a lightning bolt on it and it's actually a circle and it has five different little screw sizes all the way around, all the way up to the biggest one. 
And that one was also a giveaway thing that's very cool and also accomplishes the same thing. And you can tell as I talk about this that I have multiple things on multiple key rings <laughs> uh, so that my keys that are with me are always prepared for this particular application. Now, will I spend seven ninety nine on this? Probably not. I've already got stuff to do this. But what right. I will say is the color of bags makes me angry. And the Why? reason I say that is because I went from cheap bags a long time ago. I used to use, and the companies really, they do great stuff. There's a company called Ape Cases, and they make these cases. And their claim to fame is that their cases are yellow. And at first you think, well, that's stupid. Why would you have a yellow case? It's like it stands out like a sore thumb. Well, it's the inside that's yellow. And everything stands out like a sore thumb in it. So you can find stuff. Right. But uh, my favorite bags, my Tamarack bags that I use on a regular basis, I have a lot of them, they're very nice bags, are black in the middle. And you can't see your equipment because your equipment is also black. And right. so, incidentally, you mentioned DJ always knows where his stuff is. Well, you know what I just finally found? No. That little no. thing, I, had, I was talking about it, it's a business card size holder for micro SD cards. And it had over, I think, $400 worth of micro SD cards on it. And it was lost in my bag. Lost. I remember that. And I finally, I found it. It, you know, it yeah. turned sideways and is black. So it blended in with the side of my case. And I nice. could not locate it until <laughs> I cleaned my entire camera bag out, which is, uh, uh. <laughs> For those of you listening on audio, DJ is ranting and raving and, throwing his arms around in the air. You're missing out on a very visual podcast. Now, one last thing before we go, and since uh, Mitch threw in this this kind of uh, inexpensive tip, I wanted to throw in this inexpensive tip, which is also kind of handy. These are the patio camera screws, and I don't know why, or pato maybe, I'm probably saying that incorrectly, but they're very <laughs> cute, they're very adorable, and all they are is a thumb screw with a quarter 20 on both sides. So we've all run into that issue where you have a rig or you have something else and you're trying to attach something to it and you don't have a male thread on both sides of your equipment. You have two female threads. This simply threads into your rig or to your stud or whatever and threads into the other device. So if you wanted to add like a little loop to this or many of the other accessories that are available, it's a cute cute little deal and they're about three dollars for a set of five wow that is a great tip and for some reason they come with a uh, lens wipe i don't know what it is about uh, the asian manufacturers lately but every one of them <laughs> wants to include with it a lens wipe cloth as an added gift and i have so many of these cheap lens wipes laying around that i have no use for whatsoever I, I have, I've noticed that, too. It's kind of strange. And I actually, I don't remember what it was. Uh, something like, something like this rabbit thing. I don't remember what it was. Something that was very small. And the marketing said, comes with a microfiber lens cleaning cloth. Like, that was an extra bonus that was going <laughs> to cinch the deal for me to buy that particular product because it came with a microfiber cleaning cloth. I swear that, that there's just that like a happened. warehouse that's overflowing with microfiber cloths <laughs> that they can't. They're like, what do we do with these? I don't know. Let's give them away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh sad, sad, sad. So 
before we close the show, okay. I, I almost forgot that uh, we do have a new giveaway going on right now. If you're interested in lighting, if you're either a photographer or a filmmaker, uh, and you want small portable lights, the Cineo company is giving away another set of uh, two, actually two sets of their Matchbox light kit. Uh, you can find that over on actually on CanonRumors.com, or if you go to uh, Planet5D.com slash DSLR, I'm sorry, giveaway noob. Got to remember the right URL. Uh, PlanetfyD.com slash giveaway noob. You can get to that giveaway and win one of those two awesome light kits. Here is what uh, Mitch is talking about for those of you watching. Yeah. A, oh, that is adorable. Aren't uh, they cute? I like these little lights. Um, I've actually... I, I, I ended up spending a couple hundred bucks and buying a bunch of these little tiny adorable lights they're really handy to have laying around and uh -huh. the battery power is uh -huh. wonderful so check that out guys uh, we'll throw that into the show notes too as well uh so you can find that at planet 5d slash noob giveaway all right giveaway noob, oh, giveaway noob. dang it giveaway noob all right <laughs> i always mess those up uh mitch anything else before we get out of here uh, I am very excited about my vacation coming up. I will be here next week, as far as I know, unless we decide to leave a day early. But we're going houseboating in Kentucky. In Kentucky? It should be fun. So, uh, is there, there a large lake in Kentucky that I should know about that is a great houseboating location? or There are several great lakes. <laughs> Bad pun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's It took us a day to find a decent place. Here in St. Louis, there are quite a few big lakes. And you would think that you could find uh, a really nice houseboat. And we found one uh, actually in Table Rock Lake, which is in southern Missouri. Uh, but they wanted double the price of the houseboats in Kentucky. So we're driving a little farther to save more than $1,000 to rent a houseboat for five days. Hmm. Anyway, all right. That's what well, we're doing. catch a fish for me, man. Catch a okay. fish for me. I'm almost done with the construction in the basement of my house, and uh, hopefully this week carpet guys will come in and take care of that. And my garage is getting fixed because they ran into it with a forklift. So, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, they took out. Uh, they actually moved the structure six inches off of the foundation. So, thanks. oh my god! Thanks for that forklift driver. Uh, I don't know oh if the building my. is even sound anymore, which is they're they're not making any money on that project. I know they? they delivered some drywall, maybe a thousand dollars worth of drywall, and then uh, managed to move the garage as well. So, oh my you know, god! <laughs> great, great move, guys. Great move. Oops. All right. On that note, you can find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere podcasts are distributed. You can find me at DSLRFilmNoob.com and on YouTube under the One Lone Dork channel and on Twitter at <laughs> DSLRFilmNoob uh, and many other places. Just dig around, type in DJ, and you will find me. Mitch, where can people find you? <laughs> I'm, I am Planet Mitch from Planet5D.com. Also, Twitter, Planet Mitch. Facebook, Planet Mitch. Um... Every website known to man that's popular, I am Planet Mitch, because I've gone around and reserved that name on just about every website there is. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I've, I've just recently discovered there's a Planet Mitchell. So don't be confused. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Damn it, Mitchell. What are you doing here, man? Yeah, he, copycat. You know, he just he was just so jealous that that he didn't get Planet Mitch fast enough. So there's a Planet Mitchell, but that's not me. Oh no! Don't be fooled, young Twitter fiends. <laughs> Never mind. I love um, that there's a, a couple of squatters that take over sites that uh, are one letter off, and it's a common like typo or misspelling. Yep. You know, an extra O or something of that nature, and, and you go to them, and it's it's pretty fun. Like, oh, yeah, just accidentally found an illegal gambling site while I was trying <laughs> to go to the Coca Cola website. What happened there? All right, Ooh. guys, we'll see you next time on another exciting episode of DSLR Film Noob Podcast. <laughs>